Hey, what's going on, people? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. I'm Sincere Hogan. Got Mike Mahler on the other line. What's going on, my man? I'm doing good, man. Besides the flooded kitchen, I'm still enjoying <laughs> the high from my PR and the de- deadlift yesterday. <laughs> well, you can't have it all, brother. You can't have yeah, it yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all about balance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. If something goes well, you're like, all right, be ready. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but man. this is the payoff. It's not too big a payoff to make, so I'm not too concerned. But uh, yeah, we got a good guest on today. But before we get to that, how, how are things going with you, man? What do you have going on? Hey, man. So. First thing everybody can do is head over to both our websites. Use that coupon code LLA. Use that at checkout. You can get 10% off of both of our products, all of our products, whether you go to MikeMahler.com or NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that coupon code, man. Get 10% off of everything over there that we have for sale. So there you go, people. Help support the show. That's what we do. That's how we keep the show going is by the products that you guys purchase from us. No advertisers here. We're the only ones. So that's what makes it great. Therefore, we don't have to spend 30 minutes plugging somebody's crap for 30 minutes straight like you hear on a lot of podcasts. And you're just like, dude, just get to the content and get to the guests. (laughs) So we'll just rather take about five minutes out of the podcast at the beginning and at the end. You know, but hey, look at there. That's a total of 10 minutes at the most. And and we're funny, you know, it's very entertaining how we do it. So it's not like we're just sitting like, give us money, give us money. But that would be cool if you did give us some money. Nice. <laughs> so I won't say no. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, a few of you have asked, uh, well, what's going on with the show? It was only a few episodes last month. And what we're doing is we're going to one episode a week right now. We were doing two for a while just to really get out of the gate and build up a database of really good content. Now, if you folks really want two episodes a week again – we need to hear from you. Yeah. We get enough demand, we'll consider it. But right now, we're both busy with other projects and we're committed to the show, but we have other things going on too. So once a week allows us to get a really good guest, put our full energy into it. Okay. But we're definitely amenable to two episodes a week if the demand is there, if people really want great content more than once a week. So let us know. Exactly. And also head over to iTunes and give us a review if you're enjoying the show. When people light up Twitter and people hit me up on Facebook privately sometimes as yeah, if they don't too. want the world to know they like the show. Yeah, right? no, like, <laughs> I, appreciate the, I appreciate the praise, man, but let the world know. Get on it, iTunes. Man. Get on Stitcher. If, if you're one of those people who's like, look, I'd love to buy something from you guys, but I'm strapped right now. Fine. We understand that. We've all been there. But get on iTunes. Get on Stitcher. It doesn't cost you a dime. It helps promote us, helps get the show out there. And helps this whole wheel keep turning. Yes, sir. All right, man. I'm excited about this, man. Um, this is going to be a really cool show. This dude here is like phenomenal. Like he takes strength. Right. To my, you know, I just, you know, I didn't want to disrespect him. Say this is a bad son of a, you know what? But I'm just going to say this is a bad son of a gun right here, man. He's done some crazy stuff out there. People, people in our industry like to talk about how strong they are, and, and you know how they got a PR in this. And no, not taking away from that. But then they're strong, and then there's just some crazy strong. Yeah, come on, man. And I'm, just from talking Texas, about and I'm from East Texas, man. And there's there's strong, and then there's what we call corn fed strong. You know, red beans and rice strong. And that's where that's what I place. That's the category I place our guests in today. Which is a, you know, that's a great thing when you're in Texas when you say that. Like, okay, this is like farm boy strong right here, man. And this is the type right. of strength I like. <laughs> yeah, we have John Bruni on today. Great guy. Strong man, travels around the world demonstrating serious feats of strength. And he and his wife actually hold a world record for the Guinness Book World Record for now this is a strange one. Yeah, man. It's- 107 she did 117 jumps, right? Jump rope over a bed of nails that was on John. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if these two were, were just bored with their marriage or, you know, they're looking for ways to spice things up. <laughs> John, let, let's start there, John. What was the whole motivation for this, for breaking this record? Yeah, because I had to ask, like, okay, at what point were you just sitting in the house like, 
<laughs> hey, baby, you know what we should do? I'm going to put some nails on top of my, on my stomach, right? And you're going to jump rope on it. How's that? I'm pretty sure she's like, well, as long as I'm not on the bottom here getting stuck with nails, let's go for it. <laughs> and, where, and where were the nails? Were they from the waist exactly. up? <laughs> or were, were there any nails below the border? <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, you're taking the whole phrase, nailing it to the, to the extreme there, John. So, <laughs> so how did that come about, man? Well, guys, it's awesome to be on the show with you guys. And actually, uh, the nails are below the waist. It's pretty crazy. Oh, man. My, oh, man. my good friend mentor, John Brookfield, when I was first getting involved in the strongman industry, we used to use a bed of nails and we did some different things. And he challenged me. He said, you know what? He goes, nobody's ever been crazy enough to actually put jumping pressure on that. He said, what would happen? He goes, you should just try it out sometime, see what happened. And we had a show that <laughs> night together. He said, you know, what would happen if you put Amy up there and just let her jump up and down and, you know, maybe jump rope? And I was like, all right, hey, let's give it a shot. Like- and I, I can tell you, it was interesting that very first time to feel all that pressure. Because you guys understand the whole bed of nails concept that it, you could lay down on it. It's physics. Nothing would happen to you. You, know, you right. could take a piece of fruit placed on or nothing happens. If you pick it six inches up in the air and drop it, it actually skewers it. Yeah. So yeah. that's where the danger comes in. And my wife, you know, she's, she's pretty crazy too. She was all about it. She's like, I'll try anything, you know? And that's basically like sincere said, well, she's not <laughs> under it. So it's all good. And especially if we have arguments or anything like that, something going down in the marriage, you know, she can jump a lot harder, kind of stomp <laughs> into that, you know, which she's done before, just to keep Work, things Working real. out every argument yeah. she's ever had with you that day. Exactly. Like, Boom, <laughs> take this and this and 10 more. Yeah, that's why the night before, yeah. you're extra sweet. It's like, you know, take her out on a date, you know, buy lots of chocolate, <laughs> not whining and dining, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. So like, Absolutely. This sounds like a straight-up drunken, like, frat boy dare between you and John. <laughs> it's like you're sitting at a bar, you're sitting there sipping, you're sipping on Jameson, and John just like, you know what? <laughs> you know what you and your wife should do? Like, wait a minute, no. Like, no, maybe you and your wife should do that. Why, why, do, why do I have to do that? <laughs> if they make another Hangover movie, there'll be, a, there'll be a scene with John and his wife you know, in the background. <laughs> they just show up somewhere, they're like, what's going on here? It's like, all right, you're next, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, pretty boy, get under the nails. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So she ended up doing 117 jumps. How Absolutely. did you feel? How did you feel after that? You know, I was, we had this thing. I basically told her, I said, no matter what you hear, don't stop. And <laughs> <laughs> so there's no, no safe word, huh? <laughs> because we're on TV, you know, the whole thing, you get one shot, yeah. you know, we're on this television program. And uh, it actually, you're doing isometric uh, contractions to absorb the impact. There is yeah. there is a technique to it. Yeah. And really, as is painful for me, it's it's an endurance pain and just enduring that. But a real test is for her because I'm absorbing all the impact on the jump. So what's happening is it's basically like jumping into sand or something that's totally absorbing the impact. You don't uh-huh. get any bounce back. Okay. So it's very difficult to do that because, you know, if you jump rope on concrete or anything else, you know, you're going to get that little push off, you know, but here's what's happening. I'm absorbing everything that she has. And so she's actually, you know, taking that and having to, you know, make some kind of energy out of that. So 117 with no trips, you know, if she would have tripped once, it's over. There's a lot of pressure in more ways than one. 
Yeah, people don't understand that whole absorption and redirection of strength, right? That's why often the second rep on a heavy deadlift is easier. You've got that stretch reflex and you're absorbing the energy from the first. With kettlebell pressing often, the second rep after you've dropped it back into the rack, you, now you can absorb that energy, redirect it right back in. So that, that's an interesting component, and that's part of your overall system, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I, I think a lot of people need to understand what true strength is all about, understanding isometrics, strength, velocity, as you know, I think is important for everybody, whether you're a big guy, small guy, just body weights, barbells, speed is so important. And then, of course, also the grinds, as you know, I'm a big fan of too. Sure. Right. Why, is, why is velocity so important and what are some examples of training for that? Well, velocity, what I found in working with a lot of athletes is most people can be explosive for a moment, but they can't sustain it. And there are all kinds of adaptions happen in the body when you choose to sustain velocity. Everybody can be explosive for like one movement, one or two reps, but that sustaining over and over and over, it makes developments not only in your physique, but in your overall conditioning, it's radically different from anything that you ever do. And I find a lot of people, you know, we love to do deadlifts. I love deadlifts, love squats, but the sustained velocity is a real weakness in the average athlete. And uh, it's just so important, whether it's upper body, lower body, you have to have that sustaining. Can I keep going over and over and over again and maintain that speed? And John Brookfield's battling ropes, would that be an example yeah, of what you're talking like, about? What are your examples? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the batting ropes are excellent. And one of the things, you know, John was always, we kind of did a lot of towel training back in the day, some different experiments with that. I had a lot of athletes on towels. Right. And for those who are listening on the podcast, there's a basic velocity swipe. There's a whole bunch of different exercises you can do, but just basically taking your hands up in the air and snapping them down as quickly right. as you yeah. could. The towel dance. Um, yeah, so the, to the, the towel, towel looks like basically someone just farted in the room. Exactly. You're trying to get just, yeah. <laughs> like it was a big one, or you're trying to put out a fire the wrong way, something like that, man. <laughs> right, right. Because, because there's no momentum with the bowing ropes, which I love, and you know I'm a level two coach uh, involved in that. Sure. Um, but there's, there's momentum at the top and the bottom, especially when you're doing the big, huge movements. Uh, okay. um, but when you're doing velocity, it's a very quick snap, 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 snap. It, you know, there's no time to pick up and drop down. It's just instant over and over and over and over and over again. And that's when we came out with the parachute and the canvas and all that stuff because guys were tearing towels apart. <laughs> Wasn't enough resistance. You know, we'd be doing these workouts and the towels would be shredded, you know, in yeah. five minutes. So that's the kind we're talking about is that over and over, no, no momentum, really trying to take the momentum out of it. I see. So you have you have to keep a constant force production to keep this thing going. Otherwise, there, there's no it's not like a kettlebell swing or once you get it in motion, you can just manage that whole exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nail on the head, literally. Yeah. That's one thing people don't realize about kettlebell. I mean, kettlebell swings are an awesome exercise, but that the better your technique gets, the less of a training effect there is in terms of improving your physique composition because you're you're basically managing that energy right. so well, so efficiently. Not to say that that is not a useful skill. It is. But you just, just something to keep in mind when you're looking at what you're training for. Absolutely. And one of the things, Mike – I learned from your DVDs as well as when you had the boys are back in town series Yeah, sure. was really, really improving that technique, which is awesome because you can put up a lot more weight, 
But I found that the biggest physique change I ever had was when I first started kettlebell lifting. Um, John Brookfield was my mentor, and we did the old swing snatch. Right. It was not about keeping it near your body. It was going way out in front, and I went out and bought a 72-pound kettlebell, and that's how I learned. And, man, that was inefficient, but it was an awesome conditioner. Absolute, absolute difference. Now, well, so, folks, keep in mind, this is a guy who likes having someone jump on him under a bed of nails. So he likes <laughs> he likes pain in his workout. Yeah, this, this is a guy who likes to pull 18 wheelers for about a good couple of miles, you know, with his buddy John Brookfield, another <laughs> drunken dare. You know, I, I believe it's John, like, John, like, John's the kind of guy where John's the kind of guy where the bell is not coming around and slamming his wrist. He's going, come on. What's the what's what's going on? This this technique is like, way too efficient. You know? like, why, is it not, why is it not banging my wrist? Come on, man. What is this? You know, you know, I'll strong my wrist of guy. From all that banging, the kettlebell flipping around. <laughs> it, it was night and day when I when I started watching your DVDs. It was a whole new style of lifting and much more efficient. Be able to put up much more weight. Well, was that uh, something that you and and John Brookfield were just playing around with on your own? You just didn't have no one showed you how to do the exercise, or how how did that whole come whole thing come about? I think John always probably did because he's had friends throughout the years too that would, would compete, you know, in that sport, Mm. but it was all about, you know, for John, you know, and and I kind of have the same philosophy on some things, especially like in in neuromass, anything you can do to make it harder. I think it was Mike Mentor who said, you know, is going to make you have a better workout. You know, that's a great direction to go. And his is always, how can you make it more difficult? What can you do? What kind of spin on this? And efficiency really isn't a big thing uh, with John. If you've seen some of his crazy workouts, sure, too. right. What What about making it more difficult by just using a heavier resistance, though? Right, using the best technique possible, and then just going to a heavier weight or a harder exercise. Yeah, and because I, I think it's it's great to put up heavy weights because personally, mm-hmm. I'm kind of addicted to that. Right, it gets addicting. You know, you no sure. longer can use. You know, I have such a hard time cycling off. I force myself to cycle <laughs> onto lightweights. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. There's oh, an addiction sure. that happens. Yeah, when you get up to that deadlift platform or the squat, or you've got a pair of heavy kettlebells. Um, at my house, one of the biggest rushes. I have a 145 pound kettlebell, wow. way old max yeah. kettlebell yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Sure. And uh, when I get under that thing, there's just something about that rush when that's over your head. I, yeah. I can't explain it. It just there's something about it, and <laughs> it, it requires all of your entire body to work together. You know, you can't have any weak links. And so, I, absolutely, the technique is is a lot of fun. And I'd rather lift heavy weights with good technique than light weights with bad technique. It's funny because really heavy weights, it, it brings something primal out of you, doesn't it? I mean, I was doing a, a heavy deadlift the other day, and I'm not a guy who ever does any theatrics, right? I don't scream the weight off the ground or anything like that. But when you're when you're lifting really heavy, it's almost as if that happens organically without you trying to make it happen, just to finish off the rep. And then there's a certain rush that comes from that. So I'm not talking about someone who's just doing their warm-up weights and they're just making these growls on every single rep just to, just so everyone <laughs> in the gym will turn. But sometimes when you're lifting something really heavy, it just comes out. <laughs> you know, It's like it's just bringing it right out of you. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I train in my basement. We kind of have a dungeon yeah. down there. 
So we have all kinds. <laughs> I'm, of I'm sure you do. <laughs> everywhere. After watching that video, yeah, so a bit of nails. I mean, nails. yeah, of course you do. Of course you have a dungeon, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of nice because you can just crank up the tunes. You're not putting on anything for anybody. Right, right. You know, right. you can just be as crazy as you want. Keep the rest periods the way you want them. Sure. You're not waiting for anybody. You know, you're not waiting for the guy to get done doing curls in the squat racks, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Right. So. Uh, but it's definitely primal. People say some weird things they hear coming out of the basement. My wife has. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Imagine uh, HOA scary. meetings, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the soundbite for the show. People hear some weird things coming out of my basement when I'm down. <laughs> so, I mean, you're the, uh, you're the author of a book called Neuromass, The Ultimate System for Spectacular Strength. And this is a Dragon Door published book. How did this whole thing come about? Well, I had the idea for a long time. Uh, I actually presented it to several different guys and just saying, you know, I've had this idea. It was about the same time Velocity Maximum Training came out, sure. this whole triset concept. And what I like to do is I'm a big fan of, of conditioning by doing these supersets. And historically, that has just really worked when I have something coming up that's going to be an endurance test. And so I'd always kind of done this aspect of you have to have the three types of strength. And what happened was over the years, I've learned so many exercises from so many people. I've tried to trace every exercise back. You can't because I want things I thought I learned from somebody I saw on the Internet. Somebody else did. Somebody else did. <laughs> right. What we did is we took this huge encyclopedia of, of exercises that I use on a regular basis in addition to my barbell lifting and kettlebell lifting. And we divide it into three types, grinds, which are those big, heavy movements, dynamic power drills, which are more lean towards velocity. Again, there's some of them have momentum. And the last is isometrics, because in real life and in every sport, I, I share this every time working with football players, a football player, how this would work is, you know, when they come up to the line, they have that initial impact. So they're grinding it out. Then they re re release their block. So all of a sudden they've got to go into a sprint and then they might come up against another hit where they've got to have an isometric pop there. Right. So right. that's how real sports and real life works. And when you combine it all together and then put it into superset fashion for conditioning, it has great effects on the body. Right. No, that sounds cool, man. I mean, can you, can you give us an example? What are, one of these workouts would look like? What are, what are the exercises? What order they would be in and how many rotations or sets you rounds you would do? Yeah, let me give you a bonus one that's not in the book or anything. This is just for your listeners oh, here cool. as of right now. Um, what I would do is a, a deadlift. I'm going to give you like a barbell version. Okay. Let's say you're, you're trying to pump up the deadlift. So what I would do is take uh, a deadlift, or you could even do banded deadlifts, but that heavy grind, and I would start out the first week with a set of eight. So you're going to do eight reps of that grind. And then I would do something like a medicine ball, plyo box, jump, something that would involve some kind of jumping with those using the hamstring and posterior chain where you can really dig into that. Maybe holding a kettlebell, medicine ball where you're doing those box jumps back and forth for about 30 to 60 seconds. And then I would finish off with an isometric deadlift where you would have that bar hooked to a chain or locked into the bars of a power rack where you couldn't move. And I would do that for seven to 12 seconds, take a 30 second to one minute break, and then repeat the whole cycle for three times through. Okay. Mm -hmm. How then, much, like, how much, how much weight would you use with the third exercise, the deadlift with the chains? 
Well, it's isometric, so you're working. It, it, it doesn't move. You okay. have a lock. Oh, okay, okay, got it, got it. So I mean, so it's so heavy enough that you can't move it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have two different things. Like in my basement, we have a chain rack where you can just lock in the chains. Okay. Okay. You can't move, yeah. or you can put it in the bottom of the pins of a power rack where it's impossible to move it. Okay. So got it. The bars underneath the pins. Yeah, I was I was thinking static hold for some reason. I was thinking. Remember remember that book Power Factor Training came out years ago. I was thinking up when you were when you for some reason when you said isometric deadlift, I was just thinking of that where you would it basically it was it was very short ranges of motion, and and the theory was that it'll carry over to full range and it never did. Right? <laughs> People who did this book, I mean, they got strong in those ranges of motion, but when they would go back to a full range, it just there wasn't any carryover, and it was it was it was funny because it was one of those things that was so popular at the time. You used to see people doing it all the time at the gym. They would have eight hundred pounds in the squat rack and they were they're moving it one inch. And then they would then they would go back to trying to do a full range, and they couldn't even do half that weight or even less than that. It was just one of those things that didn't carry over. Right. Now, what what you're doing though is you're taking three different paradigms, putting them in one workout. Would this be an effective? Let, let's say I wanted to improve my max deadlift. Would this be an avenue to do that? Well, absolutely, because what you would do is the next week you would lower the reps. And increase the weight. So you would do sets of six and you might add um, overall. When I say sets, I meant reps. You might go to six reps in the deadlift, 38 seconds on the box jump, okay. again, the seven to 12 seconds on the isometric deadlift. And then what would happen as the weeks go, then you move down to four to three to two to one until you're just working on the grind itself the final week. And the difference too with the isometric deadlift is you can put that, set that bar at the sticking point in your right, lift. Right, right, perfect. So where you're, that's what I would suggest to people is you look at the sticking point, that's where you want to do the isometric because that's where you're going to have the best carryover uh, in your mobility. Right. right. So, I mean, if you're weak off the ground, then you could just set the pins there, set the bar there, and then just focus yes. on ripping it off the ground, sensation of just Absolutely. tearing it off the ground. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, John, now, this, oh, go, I'm sorry, go ahead, Sincere. Now, John, I know you like to do a lot of just heavy lifting, now, the, the big question is, especially for a lot of our listeners out there, what do you do in terms of recovery? Because let's just I'm just to be honest, if you go anywhere and look at any pictures on the Internet, almost everything you're doing, man, is like something. <laughs> you're either breaking 5000 bricks, you know, or you're pulling an 18 wheeler. You know, your wife sitting there just having she's doing like Lord of the Dance on top of you with a jump rope, you know, while you got nails in your stomach. So it's like, OK, at what point do you get recovery in and what do you do as far as recovery? Because honestly, we know you need it with all that stuff going on, man. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I actually had a conversation with Mike about this a few years when we were in Vegas. Yeah, I remember that. I, I am not really good at recovery as I should be. <laughs> I, I feel like I would be farther along if I learned to step back and do more of that. But what I mainly do for recovery right now is I've been doing a lot of the mobility workout of the day mm-hmm. type of I definitely use the little cross balls, the keg rolling. Um, I definitely get in the hot tub and swim a lot, but do a lot of self-massage. And then the biggest thing is I'm a big proponent of amino acids. And right now we've been doing a lot of what I call super greens type stuff. We've been taking a lot of spinach, kale, broccoli, celery, and blending that up and drinking a lot of that. And I have seen just ridiculous results lately as really being forceful about incorporating the greens into the diet. 
that's a huge part of the recovery for me. Now, are you juicing it, John, or are you just blend, putting it in a blender whole, just blending it up? Blending it holes because I, I like to get the outer, especially like with broccoli and everything. I like the whole thing. Okay. And uh, But I'm putting a considerable amount in there. I, they call it extraction, but it's different. You're not really extracting the juice. You're just blending everything up like in a ridiculous, you know, it, it's pretty pulpy, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, it's great. I mean, the results have been amazing. And then I've been drinking a lot of high pH water. Yeah which has been another oxygenated water has been a huge thing for recovery. Hmm. Absolutely. Oh, very cool. Now with your, with the workout example that you would just conveyed to us, would that be something people do a couple times a week? What would be the frequency of that? If you're working dead, I mean, it, and it, everybody has to know their own body, but if that was me working dead, cause on the other days I would be working other body parts, whether it would be, you know, indirectly those, you know, the quads and everything are going to get a hit. The hamstrings are going to get a hit. But, you know, I'd, I'd have a squat workout maybe on that Wednesday. So I would say with deads, no more than two days a week. You know, I've done deads like four and five days a week before, but it just kind of gets diminishing returns on yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, everything kind of gets an indirect hit because I do a lot of, I know you have Brent, uh, the glute guy on, on the other thing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I have been using the Sorenex uh, hip thruster that he invented quite a bit. And I use that in my off days. So like you're doing deadlifts Monday and you're hitting that hard Tuesday, your posterior chain is still getting a pretty, you know, big hit throughout the week. Right. So everybody's workouts are a little bit different. And I guess it really depends on the frequency that you can handle. Yeah. Right. No doubt about it. Now, what, are, are people going to take away from neuromass? I mean, can this be applied to any goal that you're trying to improve, whether it's your endurance or your explosive strength or your repetition max strength? Absolutely, because all, all you do to adjust the program, and this is one of the things I'm learning lately is a lot of people don't understand how to take the basic concepts of programming and, and make it their own. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a struggle field one. Yeah. So, what I would do is, for instance, if you want more conditioning, then you increase the velocity time and you lower the reps on the opening grind exercise. And another way, if you want to do conditioning, is you're just adding more supersets. You might do six or seven supersets instead of three or four. Your conditioning, I mean, people are breathing. They feel, I mean, periods. If you want to work more just strength, you're increasing the rest periods. You're downplaying the velocity time to maybe 15 seconds. And, and so you just adapt times and you adapt rep schemes and you adapt overall sets. And that makes a huge difference. Now, what are, what are some of the athletes you've worked with? Have you worked with any, let's say, MMA fighters or football players anywhere along those lines? Well, my favorite experience was a few years ago, um, got to go with John Brookfield down and we trained the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm. in the battling ropes system. Okay. Right. And that was just an absolute blast to be able to, you know, have these guys, you know, understand how this stuff works, how it can, you know, just change their body and doing something different at the time that was very cutting edge. Um, we also got to go up and work with the United States Olympic Greco Roman wrestling team. Uh, back then, Coach Ivan Ivanov yeah. was in charge there, yeah, right. and so got to work with all those guys with the bowling ropes, velocity concepts, 
Um, and we've kind of had a mutual thing with him because I use the Bulgarian bags too. So we, we developed a friendship there out of that. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, definitely got to work with high level, but again, I, I want to have anybody, you know, and that's one of the things that makes us interesting in this field is personally, I want to see everybody in this industry succeed. Yeah. And I've realized it's kind of cutthroat. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. A little, just a little bit. <laughs> Slight, slightly. <laughs> just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> like a nick. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that's not my personality. And right. I, I think that right. a lot of people understand that there are plenty of people who need some kind of training out there. Yeah. And it's finding them and making them a client and investing in their life. You know, there's always new stuff coming out, you know, new opportunities for people and so as fun as it is to, you know, work with the big time guys and we work with some other individuals, especially uh, cage fighters, we work with some a lot of local cage fighters doing all that. Mm-hmm. But what's really fun is to see, you know, the average guy who says, I just want to get stronger, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that. And the motivation level that they have and being able to invest in their life is a powerful thing. Yeah. No, I like what you just said because I, I always feel like I am the average guy you know, because <laughs> I definitely wasn't genetically gifted or a high-level athlete in high school or college. Didn't play any sports at all. And I just got bit by this iron bug, and, and it really changed the whole trajectory of my life. So I really, I really have an affinity for that average person that's looking to just overhaul their life, get stronger, and take charge of things. Absolutely. And it, it, you really feel like you're making a difference. And that, yeah. that's the most important thing. It's, it's not just being successful, but having that significance, you know, I, knowing I making a difference. I agree. Right. I mean, that's one thing Sincere and I talk about all the time, because I, I used to be in a job where I made decent money before I got into this, but it wasn't fulfilling at all. You never you never felt like you were doing anything positive for anybody. And in this business, you know, I, on a daily basis, I get nice emails from someone saying what an impact a product has made, whether it's a supplement or a video or a workshop or my book, et cetera. And, and that that's serious gratification. You know, when you're knowing and this show has been like that, too. I mean, right. we get, we're getting a lot of positive feedback and that's very motivating because I think I really like what you said about the cutthroat industry, John, because I, there's this scarcity mindset where somehow people feel that. If someone else is successful, that's going to take away from their success, and it's it's a really deplorable way to look at stuff because I feel like we all can succeed together, and we don't we don't have to throw anyone under the bus as a way to succeed. And that makes me think of what's what's happened quite a bit with the battling ropes, exactly. where I see battling ropes all the time, and rarely rarely do I see credit given to John. Yeah, I just I mean, recently I, in a magazine, I finally saw someone say creator John Brookfield battling rubs. I'm like, finally, finally, you know, because yeah. yeah, I've only called out people on YouTube so many millions of times now <laughs> when they say that. And I'll say it on every video. I'm like, John Brookfield's battling rope system. I said, all you jackasses out there saying that you train battling ropes, and you don't give him credit. I mean, you're stealing, basically. You're, you're basically yeah, just stealing right absolutely. there. And then if you sit there, you do some really shifty stuff and take it and try to rename it like some some crazy romper room Toys R Us type style, <laughs> you, you know, and then try to act like you came up with that, then you're an even bigger jackass, you know. So that's the reason why we don't even know who these guys are. That's why they never made it because <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just the karma of things like that, man. So, yeah, it drives me crazy. Well, and, and that's a huge thing is that, you know, I, some people don't understand this, but I try and tell people I don't invent anything. You know, I try and take what we find out there and make it better. Um, and, and that's, that's what I think it is. You know, you, you can't reinvent the squat. You know, there's only so many, you're not going to reinvent the kettlebell. You're not going to reinvent this, but what you can do 
is create a system to make it better. Right. And, you know, one of the things with uh, John on that, you know, the funny thing is it doesn't hurt you to say creator of the batting ropes, John Brookfield, because right. that actually gives you credibility. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of people miss out on that. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this one thing John Hines said, he goes, he goes, when he first looked at my website, he goes, man, you're giving credit to everyone. I never see that. And I go, my attitude is it makes me look better. I mean, one, it's the right thing to do. So start there. Number two is it does make you look better because you're, you're giving credit where credit's due because people are going to find out through their own research anyway. So if you try to take, if you try to steal someone's info, I mean, with the internet, they're going to find out like, huh, (laughs) <laughs> this looks very similar to this guy's info. Exactly. It looks like he put it out before. You know? right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's also – I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, even on my DVD, I'm like going – just going over push-ups and just a basic right. way of doing push-ups. I give credit to Steve Maxwell who first brought it to my attention by bringing the elbows in instead of elbows flaring out. But then – I also know that that was influenced through Chaturanga, which, you know, a movement from yoga, you know. So now, you know, I'll, I'll tell people just depending on who I'm speaking with. It's just like if you're in the fitness world and you know Steve Maxwell, then, yeah, I give him credit for that. If you're someone who's oblivious to any of these names, but you do know about yoga, then, yeah, Chaturanga. And they're like, oh, yoga push-ups. Exactly. And they explain why, you know, it, it's a better fit for most people, especially as far as the rotator cuff or anything like that. So it's not hard to sit there and give someone credit, man. Like I said, it doesn't it's not taken away from you. It actually makes you look better. Instead of looking like a dick, pardon my French. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, you know it's, it's one of those things. You know, I remember when doing this book, I laid awake late at night trying to find every single thing to trace back exercises. And that's partly why it's encyclopedic mm-hmm. because there's just so much. So nobody can say, I'm not taking, you know, you've got courses that are built around just the Hindu push or, you know, here's 50 you know routines for the Hindu squad or something else. Right. I tried to make it encyclopedic just so people know. I didn't, you know, these are exercises that have been around some from the test uh, from the beginning of fitness time. Yeah. And other ones, you know, are things that I put my twist. And that's what I always try and do is take something and put a twist on it. How can we make this harder? How can we make this more effective for your body? But I'd be the first one to tell everybody, you know, I never invented isometrics. I never invented, you know, velocity, you know, one of my other mentors, I always try and give credit to publicly, um, Ori Hoffmeckler and I are good friends. He's taught me so much, uh, so many of the concepts, you know, so that's why you always hear me talk about John. He's in the beginning of my book uh, as far as the forward, just because, again, a lot of what I have is because he took me under his wings and really pushed me. And then I was kind of able to stand on his shoulders and do some of the things we're doing today. And same with Ori. Yeah. Right. One thing you, you picked up from Ori is the concept of shaking, right? You have these exercises where you take a barbell plate, for example, and you shake it the way a, a gorilla would shake a tree, you know, when, when it's yeah, trying right. to break it. Well, what's, what's, the, what's the whole concept behind that? Because I think a lot of people look at that and they just think it's, it's gimmicky, it's silly. It's like, what's the whole point of this? Yeah, people think it's weird, but, you know, Ori and I had this conversation and he was telling me, he's like, John, he goes, goes, what's one of the strongest animals, you know, in the entire jungle? We're talking about about the gorilla. And he shares with me, he goes, all that gorilla does over and over, if you watch him, he'll be shaking trees and just trying to move this stuff. And we talked about this whole thing with uh, velocity. I think Ori would call it uh, push-pull system. right, Right. And if you ramp that up and make it into a velocity exercise where you are pushing out, and as that weight is coming out, you're immediately snapping it backwards. The tremendous pressure that that puts on the body, the tendons, 
muscular failure. I mean, it is amazing how much lactic acid and everything else that gets built up because you're pushing, but at the same time, before that push gets fully extended, you're having to snap it back and pull it. So again, it's this whole changing of momentum, changing of direction, changing energy forces, and it's such a powerful, powerful concept if you're willing to put yourself out there and just do something that may not seem like something everybody would do in a local gym. You got to stretch yourself a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, when people come across stuff that is different, they automatically think that's gimmicky. And a lot of times it is, right? I mean, we, 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 we've all been on YouTube University enough times to realize, okay, what the hell is the point of this? You know, we see, we see a lot of silly things. So I, think, I think it's hard for the average person to discern what is useful from what isn't because there's such a prol- proliferation of information out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are a lot of crazy things. You know, people see something on TV. This is the next wave. You know, here's how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to do that. And I'll never do anything else. That's what I find with the gimmicks is people tend to go all in with the gimmicks. And that's the only thing they'll do. You know, and when that doesn't work, they're just waiting for the next gimmick to come out. Right. Right. And, and that's prevalence in our industry. Exactly. And even just in, in, for example, the shaking that you were doing with the plate. That's, that itself is not necessarily anything new because you have other things called like bioenergizers where you have like the haka where, you know, you have these guys, they scream, they shake and there's grounding and all these things that have been done traditionally in all these other different cultures. You know, that really just helps these guys really, really just maximize and get their energy levels up when they get ready to go into some type of strength training or something like that. Again, we look at it and we think like, man, those people are crazy. Like if you ever just watch like um, the Australian, um, fo- not the Australian football team, but um, the rugby team, I believe in New Zealand, um, the blacks, I believe what they're called. When you just see them, man, doing the haka, you're like, Shh. if you're on a field and these guys are coming at you doing that and you don't know any better, <laughs> you're like, what the hell, man? But, you know, these guys, this is like tradition for them. And I started kind of incorporating that during some of my mobility, especially first thing in the morning, man, just to get my energy levels up. And it's great benefits from that. But to the average person, if, they, if I was out like on the corner doing that, yeah, <laughs> someone would be like, "Hey, there's this homeless guy with dreadlocks on the corner, man. He's he's going into a fit. I think he's having like a crack a, a crack attack or something like that." <laughs> you know. So it's crazy. I love it. well, let, let, let's backtrack a little bit here. The, the name of that team were the Blacks. Here, no, the no, all, no. No, actually the All Blacks. It's the All Blacks. <laughs> okay. Team, which I was which say. that right there, you know, that means it's, there you go. They're all black. <laughs> no. you, can you imagine if that were a name? of a team out here in the u.s oh please because they'll tell me, their names will be getting changed their trademark will get canceled like the redskins come on man we know how to my this politically you know this politically correct society we're living in that would never happen <laughs> oh, come well, on. that's classic and, and you know sincere i touch on something you just mentioned about you know going back to different traditions mm-hmm. one of the things i i love is you know when solomon said there's really nothing new under the sun mm-hmm. that's true it's all on how we present it. And, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, I do even today is kind of a mix personally, like in my own personal mobility mm-hmm. is a mix of Kung Fu, yoga. You know, when you start tracing the roots of different things, like using the beading bags and iron palm and all these positions for mobility, because even though I'm a big guy, I still practice yoga. I still do a lot of the stuff because I find that this whole development, it really develops not just my physique, but it's the energy level. Oh, yeah. It's the clear thinking. Right. right. Um, you know, the whole focusing and, you know, everything from, you know, dialing in and mental rehearsal. That goes back to meditation. 
and everything else, you know, so it's all kind of tied together. It's your personal twist on what it is. Exactly. But tracing those roots is a lot of fun sometimes. Oh, yeah, sure. definitely. Definitely. You know, a lot of those techniques also help at, at that cellular level. And there's a lot of studies coming out showing that where this whole mind body connection is going on. But, you know, the thing is, that whole phrase has been bastardized so much. So as soon as you say yeah. to some big, strong guy, mm-hmm. you know, the mind body connection, you get the <laughs> eye roll like, oh, here we go yeah. with the hippie yoga stuff, you know, yeah. and. Yeah. And it kind of sucks because you, you have all those, you know, you've had some of these guys walk around, the hippie yoga guy, and he's all like, you know, I don't need a weight lift and everything. And every man should be, you know, he should be a good guy and blah, blah, blah. And be very, you know, get in touch with his feminine stuff. Like, dude, shut up. You're trying to get some butt, man. You're just trying to like, make, you're only in this yoga class to pick up some chicks. I mean, you're not fooling anyone. <laughs> Come on, man. Stop it. <laughs> you know, with your surf boy hairstyle, you know, and he, come on, you haven't bathed in a few days. Stop it, man. You're killing me because there are guys like, he's, he's got it. He's got every feminist argument down oh my god and he's walking around with t-shirts like i'm a male a male feminist i'm like (laughs) no mm -mm, sorry not buying it tell me you should put on the back of that t-shirt and i'm trying to get laid that's what you should put on that t-shirt man just be honest come on unsuccessfully and that's a whole (laughs) other discussion right there because no woman is attracted to a guy like that exactly (laughs) she's like come on man you spend more time in front of the mirror than i am you know so yeah man it's like i said it's really good to kind of go back and look at the history of that stuff and then you start to realize that these are not these soft weak type traditions that we're doing yoga is not some weak thing out there and again just do the history i mean like you said nothing's new under the sun just because most since we've had human movement someone's done this before they just didn't know how to market it that's that's what it came down to <laughs> that was the thing. They, didn't like that. To, they didn't know how to sell it because <laughs> No, it's like John said, there's there's a lot of programming that's unique, like what Louis Simmons did with West Side. He took a lot of really cool concepts from Russia and then applied it to powerlifting in a very effective way. And I, th- I think that's what a lot of us do is put our own personal touch on stuff. And then that just gives people a different perspective to get more out of whatever they're trying to do. Exactly. I, I always thought it would be interesting to travel around the world working with different physical cultures. I've like, always in, thought about that. That is like yeah, that something that's one of my bucket lists. Why I just want to travel. You know, it would just you've be cool. Shows man. like that. You've seen yeah, some shows yeah. back like back in the day, like on Nat Geo, and I think it'd be cool to do a show yeah, like that. And just go out, you know, just travel and just train with all these different people. Like, yeah, it's been done, but yeah, it hasn't been done by us. I mean, you, you spend a month in, in India, in Kerala, actually where my mother's from, mm-hmm. There's that's where the Hindu wrestlers are still based in Kerala, and they do the Hindu squats, Hindu push-ups, along with a bunch of other exercises daily, and these guys have incredible endurance. It would be cool to spend a month there, and then you go to Thailand, and then you go to parts of Africa, you know, who knows? Who knows exactly. where you'll end up? It would, it would just be interesting. Train with the Maasai, like, yeah, dude, I'm trying to jump about 10 feet high, too. You know, with a vertical <laughs> jump. Help a brother yeah. out. How do we do that? <laughs> so, yeah, man. <laughs> so, John, what do you have going on? Uh, I know you do a lot of strong events where you, you demonstrate the incredible strength you have all over the country, and I think you were working on doing something in Mongolia as well. What's going on with all of that? Yeah, we were invited to go to Mongolia. I'm just waiting on the funds. Um, we've actually been invited to come there and just do a lot of stuff in the schools as well as in the towns. And we are looking forward to that because that's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, right now, it's just funding is an issue. And you can't just go into Mongolia any time of year for what we want to do. Right. So it's either got to be soon now or it's going to probably be in the spring uh, is probably where we're going to be headed. We've been planning this for a long time. But getting in there, getting tickets, everything is a little more difficult than flying to Canada or <laughs> right. Europe. Or something. You're very limited. There's a limited window of opportunity. 
And plus we have to have the kids when they're in their school season and the temperatures get so crazy, crazy cold out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely roughing it. We were uh, invited to go several different places. And one of the guys like, he's I got two trips, you know, that you guys could go on to make a difference. He goes, one's in Ireland. And he goes, that'll be a pretty neat trip. It'll be pretty cush though on your environment. And he says, the other one's going to be hardcore, rough. You know, there's not going to be anything comfortable about it. And immediately I was like, that's the one we want. That's where you can learn the most. You know, that's where you're going to engage the culture. Yeah. You know, get to stay in the gears, the tents and all that. I mean, it's going to be hardcore. Uh, looking the, forward to that and hoping that it does totally come to fruition because it's just a financial thing at this point. Now, are you looking for fundraising from individuals or what's what are you doing? What's what's going on in that end of it? Um, anybody can donate to it. There's a spot on my uh, website that talks about where we're going and, and what it's all about. What's the yeah, website, John? Uh, PressingTheLens.com. Okay. And on that, they just can kind of see videos and different things of some of the stuff we do. But if they go to certain places where it says donate, they can find out more about that. We, we'd actually planned on going already. We were supposed to have gone this past spring, but just financially to get everybody over there, equipment, you know, the shows that we do are pretty elaborate. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking at least 25 grand just to get there. Right. So, but we're really looking forward to really knowing that it's going to, it's just a timetable thing. Would, the, would this be something you plan on documenting? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I've got a teacher that'll be going with us. I got a whole crew that'll be going. Um, we would be documenting that. Yeah. And, uh, this summer, we've got all kinds of things planned. We travel all around to put on the Pressing the Limits. is an actual event, a motivational event, where every stunt that we do has a purpose. Uh, for instance, you don't just we don't just get up and break bricks. You know, we talk about this is a breakthrough for your life. Let it represent something. When I go into the school systems, a lot of times we'll write the kids' problems on the bricks and then come up and smash them. And there's something that resonates mm. with them about that when it comes to breakthrough. Um, when we are ripping up phone books, which isn't really personally a huge feat of strength, right? but people love it. Uh, when you rip up phone books, you talk about how that you open it up and see all the different names that have been affected by that one motion. And we talk about the impact, how the average person, you know, is going to indirectly influence over 10,000 people in their lifetime. Uh, dropping the bowling ball in the stomach. We talk about being able to stand up to pressure. So it, it's really a, a show, but it's also really about motivating people to, you know, accomplish their dreams, to be everything that they can be, uh, especially in the schools. We want kids to know that, you know, whatever your dreams are, man, don't sell out. You yeah. can do it. Right. You, did, I you think guys I, ever, did you guys ever consider doing um, a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe campaign as well to help raise the funds for this project? I'm not even familiar with that, but I'm familiar. I mean, any fundraising, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. What you guys are doing, yeah, for what you guys are doing, and even documenting it, and also just for the fact that you do include this to help really motivate people. That you know, like this is like a perfect project for Kickstarter, and I've seen people raise funds on Kickstarter for far less crap out there. You know, even just raising stuff just for a conference, just to promote more marketing crap. Uh, You know, things like that, man. So this is far more impactful compared to a lot of things out there that are successful on Kickstarter. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds like great. And that's just an organization then? Um, it's just a, a website. Yes, yeah, a fundraising website. You know, you put your project up there and, you know, you put the goal and 
pretty much, you know, get out there, use your circle of influence to kind of get things going and, you know, even make some things happen. Like, you know, if you document this, you guys could probably like, I don't know, like, you know, the first 10 that donate a certain amount or whatever to the Kickstarter campaign, they can, you know, get this from the project, like, you know, the, the documentary on DVD, plus assign this, that and the other, all these different things. All they're doing is really just investing in they're they're contributing. They're buying into you. They really right. believe in what you're doing and they want to be a part of it. And a lot of times they're going to donate anything anyway. They wouldn't even care if you gave them anything in the first place. But exactly. it makes them really feel like they're a part of the project as well because they really want to see something like this get out there. They truly believe in what you're doing. So that's what it really comes down to. I think I think oh, it would be a good a idea, John. Yeah, I think I think Kickstarter for sure would be a perfect fit for what you guys are trying to do and would definitely raise quite a bit of money. Exactly. Great. Oh, man, I appreciate that. No problem. No, I like what you said about using these physical breakthroughs as a way to motivate because one thing that I find kind of depressing about quite a few adults is how they're not excited about anything anymore. You know, they're 40 or 45. They feel like life's kind of passed them by and they're they're just they're just going through the days, you know, doing their job, watching TV at night. And they're just and when they see someone that's excited, it's almost like they they like, what are you so excited about? Exactly. Right? Yeah. What's, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, what's wrong wrong with with you? You. But then yeah. once they see what you're excited about, they're like, well, I want some of that. I want to be excited. <laughs> so you mean what? how I feel is not normal? <laughs> you know, and that's the problem. That's becoming normal now just to be so mediocre and bland and right and just have this not, not just existing yeah exactly <laughs> not stick out at all and i think when people turn around their physical life it doesn't have to be at a super high level but just taking charge of it where you have more energy and you're you feel better you're more confident about the way you look that's going to have tremendous benefits on everything else you're trying to improve all of a sudden that job that you tolerated you can't stand now and you finally quit it go do something you want to do get rid of those losers in your life that have been holding you back. You know, all <laughs> you know. of a sudden those, those become realities instead of things you just deal with. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I love everything you guys are saying. Cause it's right on. There are too many people who just live vicariously through Facebook. You know, I'm not against Facebook. I, I'm on Facebook, you know, but I don't spend 14 hours, you know, living through somebody <laughs> else's life. Right. You know, that's what I find with social media is that a lot of people, because they just have no hope, they have no dream, no vision for their life, you know, no significance, that a lot of times, you know, they become so mediocre just spending hours living through somebody else's life on social media. And, you know, getting the exercise, getting motivated, I, I find that's just a huge tool to change people. And um, it's really paid off. I'm Again, one of my other jobs, I'm a pastor, is my full-time job. And, you know, we're not a typical, I'm not a typical pastor by any stretch. You know, we're, we're <laughs> out there to try and help people, you know, find significance in their lives. And uh, so I'm, I'm just really, you know, excited about what you guys are doing. I got to listen to the podcast, you know, several times. And I love that you guys are giving information that actually makes a difference, you know, telling stories that are motivational to people, you know, hearing backstories you know, it's stuff that people can apply right to their lives right now. Love it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks a lot, thank man. Yeah, yeah, you're not a typical pastor. I have, I can turn on TV. <laughs> I can turn on TV in, and I can guarantee you that Victoria Osteen is not doing jump ropes on a bed of nails over Joel Osteen, man. <laughs> so yeah, man. So yeah, appreciate that though. Really appreciate it. No, yeah, thanks a lot. Now, I, I like one final point is now I like what you said about Facebook in general. I also like what you said about you. It's 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 not as difficult to turn things around as I think a lot of people 
make it out to be either. I mean, yes, it is difficult, but it's not insurmountable. Where I always tell people that are trying to get into our industry, I go, look, you're, the goal in the first year should be to get 100 articles out there as fast as you can. You know, good quality articles, 500 words, 1,000 words, training programs, nutrition tips, you know, whatever it is. Because that there's something magical about 100 of something where if you have 100 articles on your website, that's serious information where when someone comes and takes a look at your info, they're like, wow, look at all the information this person has. And that's going to separate you from the herd. People hear that. They always get excited. They're like, oh, I'll do that. They don't write one article. <laughs> right. you know, two years go by. They haven't written one. So I always say – Yes, the, that's the goal, but focus on the first one. Right? When you right. finish that, then write number two. <laughs> that's a, that's a Let, let's start with one yeah. as first. Don't even think about ten or five. Yeah, one. You know, get your mind off that number 100. Just get going. I mean, here we are You know, with this show. It's like a year now, and we're approaching episode 100. But, yeah, you know, we both understood, like, okay, once we get around to that 100 episode, that's when we feel like we'll get some momentum going. You know, we didn't have any big qualms like, yeah, that's when we've made it. We made 100 episodes. We were successful. We got the best podcast on earth. No, it's just like, okay, now we have some momentum. And it means, like, okay, we're serious about this <laughs> because that, that, took some, that takes some time and you know, a lot of work well, that, put into that's it. Shows, that's what it shows people. When you have, that's why I always tell people, like, it's, nothing, it's not anything about 100 that's necessarily magical. It just shows serious initiative it's on your part. You know? Yeah, you have one article on your website that's been there for five years, hasn't been updated. That doesn't show any initiative, but you have 100 articles, and then you build a bunch of video clips, and then exactly. you build a podcast. So you're constantly putting stuff out there where, let's say, someone hasn't been to your website in five years, Sincere, and then they come take a look at it now. They're going to be like, whoa, look at all this information, as opposed to, huh, nothing much has changed much, here. You still have that last, the last blog post from 2009, like, okay, dude. <laughs> or 2007, like, okay, we've had another president since then. <laughs> 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 like, come on, man! Give me something here. So. Well, and and dude, I, I just one of the greatest things, you know, people out there. This is totally unsolicited, but this will help them out. You know, when you did the six figure, you know, how to make six figures as a personal trainer uh, seminar that you put on. I mean, there's there's a lot of resources out there, you know, from guys like you that if you want to make it, you really can't have any excuses because the resources are out there. You just have to get it and then actually apply it. I mean, how many times have people bought a course from you guys or a DVD set and then done nothing with it? Right. Oh man, you know <laughs> that's the hardest part is is actually initiating anything. That that's where the the greatest amount of resistance will always be. Like that whole book, The Art of War yeah. by not not The Art of War, no, The no, Art the, of, by Stephen Press Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, the you Stephen know, Pressfield book, yeah, The is, War of Art. War of Art. That's yeah. it. I knew. I knew it was some play on that. <laughs> like, that's a clever name, Steve <laughs> That's a clever title for a book. No, but that that book talks about how anytime you try to do anything, there's going to be serious resistance. So you have to go into it realizing that. I mean, Mark Philippe gave me great advice with heavy deadlifts. He goes, you know, don't go into it thinking that it's going to be easy because a lot of times people think, okay, this weight should be easy. They should just rip it off the ground. And then when it comes off slowly, they just give up automatically. So, I mean, if you go into it thinking it's going to be difficult and I'm not going to let go of the bar no matter what, chances are you'll succeed there. Exactly. Just grind through Absolutely. it. Man. I mean, hell, that's how your existence got here. We've got to go very scientific about it. I'm like, <laughs> coming from just with being an amoeba, starting from there, I mean, eventually it, it was friction and then it started splitting up. And if you want to get more on the more updated version, well, friction got you here in the first place with your parents. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and it wasn't easy. Fight. It wasn't easy. Okay. It was definitely some grinding uh, that got you there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about the grind. It's always about the grind, no matter what. <laughs> Whether it's coffee or people, you know. <laughs>
Well, uh, John, John, where can people find out more about you and also pick up your book? Um, they can find more about me on pressingthelimits.com. And they also can get on uh, my strength equipment website, uh, submitstrength.com, where we have a lot of strongman implements uh, that I've created. And then, of course, the book can be on Amazon, Agendor, all kinds of places they can get access to that. Perfect. Well, fantastic, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, man, it was awesome, guys. Okay. Take care. You have a good one. Take care. All right. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. And again, that was John Bruni, PressingTheLimits.com. And you can see, actually, that whole Guinness Book World Record happen on there as well. I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, as well. yeah it's on YouTube. But it's also <laughs> on, you know, on the Pressing the Limits website, man. And, and yeah. you know, you may find it like on demand on um, True TV, too, on um, the Guinness World Records um, Unleashed. That's the name of the show. So, right. man, it was, that was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. You sit there thinking, like, dude, that can't feel good. I'm surprised he wasn't bleeding even more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from that. Yeah, man. that's what I'm surprised. Yeah, I was about. I was just waiting to see a stream of blood going down his shirt. I was like, that's it? Like, okay. He's it's it's obvious. He's a mutant. He doesn't even have any blood. <laughs> so come on, man. I think it's because there's a bed of nails, it's somewhat distributed, right? Yeah. yeah. To, you so know, if there were just five nails on that. Ripping. Board, yeah, and they're, and they're, that's going right into you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I can just imagine what the conversation is like at that household. He just kind of sees them like, hmm, hey, maybe we should do that. His wife is probably like, really? Again? <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's go to the dungeon and practice. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, folks, you know the deal now. You can support the show. And if you want to see more frequency of episodes, you can really support the show by making sure to use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition products at MikeMahler.com, my T-shirts, videos, eBooks, the whole shebang. Check out all the testimonials for the testosterone booster, Restorezyme, recovery oil. Those are all real people, a lot of them listeners of the show that have gotten incredible results with the products. So check it out, support the show. And what can they do over at your website? Same thing. Use that coupon code LLA and you'll get 10% off of my body retraining DVD, the digital physical copy, my weight management one-on-one course, as well as 10% off of the children of your doors when they are up there. And, you know, the last episode that a few episodes ago before this one, you know, we put it out there kind of early, you know, right at the time where I was getting ready to set them up. So I already had people like, dude, I'm ready to buy one of those children of your doors, you know, which is a, it's a drip station for, you know, to have pour over coffee, but it's used traditionally in Costa Rica. And when I went to Costa Rica a few months back, man, and the first time I had a cup of coffee that was brewed from this pour over method, I was hooked and I've had all types of pour over methods. I mean, that's like one of my favorite ways to brew coffee, but it was just something about this one. It was something about the process. It was something about the bolsitas that they use compared to the paper filters that, and the metal filters they have traditionally here in the West. And I was just hooked on it, man. And then looked high and low for one. Once I got back home, couldn't find it. So, you know, again, when there's a problem and there's something that you truly see a need for. It basically comes down to you. If it's something that yeah. you really want and it's yeah. not there, then damn it. Instead of just sitting there complaining about it, do something about it and, and make it happen. And that's yeah. what I did. So, you know, I went back to those contacts that I made when I was out there in Costa Rica and say, look, man, you know, how about we do that and we do this for my website and do it for my, my followers because they really love coffee as well. Let's make this happen. And, you know, hey, here we are. And, you know, I have some friends out there and they're, they're these are handcrafted people. This is not some machine made, high factory made type stuff. So that's why there'll be a certain runs and then we'll probably end up be selling out and have to wait for another batch to come in because they're all being handmade, hand carved, hand, mm. you know, designed as, as, and everything, man. So these guys, they put a lot 
into it. And there's a lot of pride and tradition into this. And this is how they've had coffee since they were kids and their parents were kids. So, again, like I said, the last time that you guys heard about this, you know, a few episodes ago, actually, that episode went out way too early. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> supposed to go out that week or whatever. And there's some other things I want to get with this. So here's the, th- here's the deal. If by this episode, if you don't see it on the website, email me. Email me and I'll send you all the details and you can go ahead and beat everyone to it before it goes up on the website and already grab yours. I give you information what it's about, how to get it, as well as how to use it and also even hook you up with some coffee to go with it on, on one of them. So we have two different sizes. So I have the, oh, cool. you know, the Tejas, which is the big one. It's a big one. It's about 11 inches high. You know, and it's good for like a big regular mug size of coffee. And then there's a smaller one, the the Guerita. It's a little warrior, <laughs> you know, the Guerita. So, you know, with that one, you know, it's good for a, a nice regular small cup of coffee, coffee as well and great for travel. And these are very eco-friendly because you don't have to worry about using all these paper filters or anything like that. So people that are very green-minded, you'll love this as well. And you don't have to worry about plugging anything in, any of that stuff. So anyhow... Just email me, sincere at LLAPodcast.com for you coffee lovers out there. Or you've got coffee lovers out there and you want to get them this gift. Very unique. This is not something you can just go into like Bed Bath & Beyond and go buy or something like that. And, um, yeah, I'll give you more information on that, man. So, And you can use that coupon code LLA and get 10% off of these bad boys. Oh, that's cool, man. Now, what, what's, the, what's the benefit of making coffee this way? Does it taste better? Is it, it tastes what's the whole so thing? much better. And it really okay. retains the oils and the flavor of the coffee, especially uh, when you use good beans and okay. you know and i'll also you know when you email me and when you purchase this i'll help you out with that as well i'm you know i'm in the process of trying to get my own brand out there right now i just want to i don't want to just just put any type of coffee out there as far as roasting my own beans so i'm, I'm right. making sure i'm getting good resources here you know making sure that they're coming from the best farms possible as well as as organic you know for each line trying to get them all organic or make sure that they're taken care of and they're not treated with pesticides like a lot of the big name chain coffee shops that you go to faithfully you know i've seen how some of the <laughs> coffee beans are processed i saw it right there from the farm and they use so many pesticides so you wonder why coffee upsets your stomach a lot of people say yeah i, I would like to drink coffee but you know it always jacks my stomach up you know yep. I, you know i always have heartburn you know and all these other different things it's not necessarily the coffee that's doing it it's the process in which those beans have been you know put together so yeah. that's that's one of the first things so you don't want to do that and now i'm not trying to get into some old mycotoxin bullshit you know when i say this you know it's, it's <laughs> far beyond that you know a lot of that stuff is so outdated with that information no this is really coming down to, especially if you're buying coffee at a, at a grocery store that's sitting on the shelf, you know, that's a different type of bean for the most part compared to right. Arabica beans. That's Robusta, which, you know, is very acidic. Those are highly acidic and they usually don't taste that great compared to Arabica beans. So it's a different process. And that's something I think, you know, in the future, we'll do a show where we actually talk that we'll, we'll bring some coffee experts on and really get into that and really get into the health benefits of coffee because people don't realize, you know, it's, it's more to coffee than just waking you up in the morning, which if that's what you're really using coffee for, you're already going down a slippery slope. You know, you're already doing it wrong. Yeah, I'm saying that right now. If you need coffee to wake you up, you're in trouble. Okay, so you're probably the one person that probably shouldn't have coffee right now. Well, that's why I always tell people, I go, coffee's healthy for you if you don't need it. <laughs> exactly. Mean, you know, if you wake up and you're groggy and you don't get going until your first cup of coffee, yeah, no that's coffee not a good sign. coffee for you that day. Yeah. You, know, you wake up and you're energetic and then you enjoy a good cup of coffee, that's a good sign. Exactly. And, you know, me personally, if I, if I wake up and I'm feeling a little off, that day I'm not having coffee. In fact, I'm probably not going to have coffee for a day or two because other things are going on and I don't need coffee to hinder 
you know, whatever I need to do in order to perk back up. So it's just the opposite for me. When I'm feeling groggy, that's the day I really don't want any coffee. You know, and I'm probably not even going to have any tea as well. I'm trying to just cut out any caffeine, you know, whatsoever and just really spend more day, more of my day drinking water and trying to build my pH levels back up as well. So, you know, I have plenty of alkaline water, just like John was you know, discussing earlier in the show. So all those different things. So, yeah, man, like I said, we'll we'll do something like that. But as for now, go to the website, use that coupon code and just email me if you don't see it on the website, because that means that I have to get some more in because I went with a small batch right off the bat. That's another thing you learn about business. You don't want to go and start off with a big giant batch right off the bat of some product when you don't have any proof that, you know, there's a demand for a thousand, you know, a a thousand run of that. When, okay, when you have about 25 people that have already reached out to you about it, 25 people reach out to you about it, then you may want to go with about 30 or 35. Okay. (laughs) You know, and then, you know, get the word out there. Really get out of those 25, maybe eight of them will do something. Exactly. (laughs) And so the biggest thing is to give exceptional customer service to those, get them, you know, help these people get out there and want to spread the word about this product. So that's what you do first. And that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that, you know, you get the best experience possible when you have these children your doors, because let's face it, there are a million ways to brew coffee right now. So it's not like this is the one true way and this is the end all be all. But damn it, it's so damn good that you might feel that way and probably want to just abandon other methods or, like I said, just use this to complement those other ways that you brew coffee in the morning. You know, make you really appreciate coffee a lot more. I think that's my opinion. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, I look forward to trying that out. Cool. All right, folks. So another great week. And we're going to keep the great guests coming. July is a stack month. You guys are going to love it. And as well as August, by the time you get to some of these guests that we have coming out. So it's going to be a summer of good info, people. So just make sure you head over to iTunes, head over to Stitcher, leave those reviews. Let everybody know how much you love the show. Hell, let people know if you don't like the show. And, but just make sure you explain why. Just don't be a hater just for the sake of hating. OK, so because the thing about it, we like that. We like that feedback. So if there's some things we can do better. We damn sure do our best to make it happen, man. All right. Cool. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Take care. Take care.